And she said to me, I can talk to my friends about sex. I cannot talk to them about money. Now that clearly was not the first time that I had heard that, but it just landed with me in a much different way than any of the other previous times. And I started thinking, well, why is that? This is the What Works Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara McMullen. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. This week, my guest is Jaquette Timmons, a financial behaviorist who focuses on the human side of money. She's committed to helping people see that they don't manage money, they manage their choices when it comes to money. She's the author of Financial Intimacy, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate, and the creator of the Comfort Circle Dinner Series, where she hosts discussions about money, business, and life over food and wine. When she's not providing behavioral-based financial coaching, she's traveling the country for speaking engagements to talk about the intersection of emotions and money. Her work has been featured on SiriusXM, Good Morning America, Oprah.com, CNN, HLM, Fox, Black Enterprise, NPR, The Wall Street Journal, and Family Circle. Now, I've known Jaquette for at least seven years now, and I've watched her business evolve and grow. When she rolled out her Comfort Circle dinner series last year, I'm pretty sure I shrieked with joy. You see, money is an uncomfortable subject for most people. And when people are uncomfortable, it can be tough to talk to them about purchasing your service or product. Now, unfortunately for Jaquette, people who are uncomfortable with money are her bread and butter. Now, that's what's so genius about the Comfort Circle Dinner Series. Jaquette created a way to bring openness, compassion, and yes, comfort to the subject of money and all its related trappings. And that's why I wanted to bring her on What Works to talk about it. We discuss how she came up with the idea, how the dinners are structured, where they fit into her business, and how she finds her guests. Stay tuned for What Works for Jaquette Timmons. Jaquette Timmons, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so delighted, Tara. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. So we're going to talk all about uh, your comfort circle dinners and how they have uh, evolved and come to be and and really how they're working for you right now. Um, But I kind of want to set the stage before we get there. Uh, So you work with people on money, and as you point out, it's kind of your thing. Uh, We all react emotionally when it comes to money and finances, and that can really put people on edge. It can be really uncomfortable. It can cause anxiety. And I know that this has been a factor in how your business has grown or how you've uh, kind of been able to attract or, or close deals with clients in the past. So can you tell us how has discomfort and anxiety been a factor for you in finding clients or establishing client relationships in the past? Sure. (laughs) Um, Well, for me, discomfort happens every day. (laughs) Um, And I think it happens at different times and in different ways. And here's what I mean by that. Um, It happens on a prospecting front because, you know, you're always putting yourself out there. Even if someone comes to me and, you know, they are inquiring about coaching or they are inquiring about a speaking engagement, there's still that dance period. And so the discomfort is it is in what if they say no? So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, there's also discomfort in uh, 
the actual client work that I do. There's not a moment before a coaching call, before a speaking engagement, even before hopping on the phone with you, where there's not a bit of nervousness. Um, but I don't think that that's a bad thing, actually. Hey, and if I can share a quick story, I haven't gone diving in a really long time, but I am a certified scuba diver. And I when did, I did not my, know this. Yes, 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 yes. And when I did my uh, checkout dives, my open water checkout dives, I did them in Tortola. And you have to do seven dives over the course of a couple of days to complete this whole certification process. And my first dive, awesome. Everything went really well. Second dive, not so much. And I was all discombobulated and just like, you know, panicky and wasn't really quite sure if I was going to be able to do the rest of it. And the dive master, who happened to be a woman, which by the way, back then anyway, wasn't that common for a woman to be a dive master. When it was time for me to do the third dive, she said, you know what? That was the best thing that could have ever happened to you. And she said, the day you get on this boat or any boat and you are not a little bit afraid is the day you ought not to go diving. And her point in the diving situation was that what it would prompt me to do is to double and maybe even triple check my stuff before I hop in the water, which I had not done. <laughs> I did my second dive, which is why when I did my little, you know, back fall into the water, my mask came off and I was just all, you know, just unnerved. <laughs> but I think that that is such a wonderful analogy uh, for me anyway, when it comes to my work. If I'm not just a tad bit nervous before I open my mouth, then there's something wrong. And for me, it's, a, it's an opportunity to just take a step back and say, did I prepare enough? Did I do X? Did I do Y? And if I, if I know that I did all of those things, I can just talk to that nervousness, that discomfort. And once I open my mouth, I'm all in and it's all on. So there's that. Um, did I answer your question? Because I feel like I was rambling on. No, and that was such, you did. Yes. I mean, yes. And no, you weren't rambling. I think that was one, it was a great story. And two, I just, I'm really appreciative of, of your honesty in terms of, you know, yeah, every day we show up and there's discomfort and there's anxiety. And I have a feeling that that means then that you're better able to put um, yourself in the position of your potential clients or your actual clients uh, when they're showing up with that kind of discomfort and anxiety too. How has sort of that discomfort and anxiety on the client side been a barrier or been an obstacle, been a challenge to, you know, getting more of the clients that you want to get in the past? So I think the, the, the challenge is that people will say that they want to change something about their circumstances. And then you go through the whole process of, you know, really diving into what's going on, exploring perhaps why the case might be, and outlining a path of, okay, here's how we can change this current narrative to something else, change your current experience with money to something else. And then they ghost you. And what I have come to realize is they, are, they were ready to reach out, but they're not ready to do the work. Mm. And there's one thing is I can't do the work for you. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you have got to be willing to do the work. It's just like, you know, someone who says that they want to lose weight, but they don't want to be more mindful about what they're eating, or they don't want to be mindful about how they're moving their bodies. If you're not going to make some changes, you can't necessarily get the results that you want. So it's hard sometimes because, especially if I know I can really help someone, 
when they then don't take that extra step that only they can do, I can't do it for them. Mm, that makes a ton of sense. But I think obviously you've got years and years of awareness around this and, and a really great perspective on it. So I think that kind of leads us then to the Comfort Circle dinners. Can you tell us how you came up with the idea for it and really what the, the Comfort Circle dinner series is all about? Uh, absolutely. And, and if I can actually even share another story with you to kind of give it a little bit more context even. Um, so when I wrote my book, when my book came out, financial intimacy in 2009. Soon thereafter, I had this, you know, what I thought was an awesome idea. I'm going to do this head of money. So I'm going to have all of these different speakers come and we're going to all, you know, have a, a different conversation around how the intersection of love and money plays out socially, politically, economically, in terms of family dynamics, all that stuff. And my vision was that we would do this in five major cities. I would have the same five speakers at every, in, in every location. And I, would only, I, I wouldn't only have women talking about it. I would also have a male perspective on it. So I came up with a male perspective panel. Did it in New York. And that was fine. Did it in L.A. And uh, let's just say this. <laughs> it's like a movie where they say it's critically acclaimed, but it's a financial flop. <laughs> well, that's what this was. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't have uh, the resources to pay um, all of the speakers, but I did pay for all of their transportation, their airfare, their hotel, their ground transportation, food, like everything related to them being able to be there and present. I underwrote all of that. Well, after LA, I was just like, and we were in the middle of uh, planning Chicago and I was just like, I can't do this. Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I had to suspend it. I share all of that because after that, I had a really sour taste in my mouth about doing live events because they are just so freaking expensive, especially if you are in New York City and LA. Like, what was I thinking? And why did I think the W Hotel would be like, the, be like you know, really? <laughs> and yet, that is what I did. So that I, that, I think that that is an, an important part of this story simply because I I know that live events are really powerful. I know I show up powerfully. I know I connect well with people in that way. But the fear of I cannot do another venture where I lost as much money as I did with that. So that's the backdrop in terms of my thinking about events. However, I was having a conversation with a coaching client and she got herself in a little bit of a pickle. And it wasn't something that I could help her with directly, but you know, I've been in the industry a really long time. I know a lot of folks. I was able to connect her with someone who could help her. And after that connection was made and everything was taken care of, when we reconnected, she was like, oh my God, I am so glad I have you because I don't know what I would have done. And she said, I would have gone to the Yellow Pages. Now, the thing that's really interesting about that is she's a general counsel of a publicly traded company. So the thought wow. that she would consider going to the Yellow Pages was just like, but why? And she said to me, I can talk to my friends about sex. I cannot talk to them about money. Now, that clearly was not the first time that I had heard that, but it just landed with me in a much different way than any of the other previous times. And I started thinking, well, why is that? In large part, because there isn't an environment where people feel safe and comfortable and feel 
think that, that they can be vulnerable and that someone's not going to look at her and say, well, she's a GC. Like, how, why, how, why, how, could, how could she not figure this out? And, you know, like not have those kind of trappings actually trap you, if you will. Um, so I started thinking, well, what could I do and what could I do that would not cost me a lot of money? And so then I was like, a dinner. And I was like, well, I'm not going to have all these people in my house. <laughs> in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> I have been to your house, and that would not work. <laughs> it would not work. <laughs> oh, my God. So then I started thinking, all right, this will be really cool. I think I'm going to do this dinner. And it literally was one of those things where – it was the weekend. It was a Saturday. I sat down and I thought about, you know, what is it that I really wanted it to be? And again, emphasizing creating a safe space for people to have conversations around money, business, and life where they can be vulnerable and where they can also not only use that space to share, but to learn um, and to walk away with something really practical. Because while my mission is certainly all about helping to change the kinds of conversations that we're having around money, you have to practice what you are doing as well. Like you can't just be all talk. You've got to put some action behind that. Um, and so I just wanted it to be one of those things where people that knew each other, that didn't know each other would come together. So I sat down on that weekend and I was just like, well, what does this look like? And I flushed it out. And then, um, you know, I'm in co-commercial and I put out, put it out there. Like, can you give me some feedback on this landing page? And I got that feedback. And then two weeks later, I had the first dinner and we had six people at the dinner. And it was always my intent to uh, do a couple of things, have a different theme every month to just kind of reflect the myriad ways in which money impacts our lives and our businesses. And then a second to always keep the dinners small. So we've had as few as four people, four, four, yeah, we've had as few as four guests and as many as 12. Um, at any dinner. And, and it, it, I don't think it will be more than 12, um, at least for dinner, because I always wanted to keep it intimate. And I initially thought, well, I'm going to do this since I live in Brooklyn. I'm like, I'm going to alternate. I'll have one in Brooklyn. I'll have one in Manhattan and, and I'll alternate. Well, a couple of things that became a problem because A, I started attracting people to the dinners that were coming from Philadelphia. I live in New York City. Well, I just said that Brooklyn. So we, we considered the tri-state area, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. So I had people though starting to come from Philadelphia, from way out in New Jersey, from Connecticut, from Westchester, and adding another 30 to 40 minutes to someone's commute was just not going to be a good thing. Um, so then I just started doing them exclusively in New York. And then it became an issue of trying to figure out, because each time you have to you know, negotiate a new contract with a new restaurant and all those other things. And then we finally settled on uh, where we have the dinners now, which is Stella. And we've been having them every month uh, since May of last year. And we started the dinners in January of last year, January of 2017. Awesome. 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 <laughs> I just, I love the consistency of it. Obviously I love the format of it. I love, you know, where it came from and, and just how much success that you've had with it. After talking to over 120 small business owners on this podcast, after coaching entrepreneurs for almost 10 years, and after building a community designed for movers and shakers to get help on their ventures, I can tell you without a doubt, every business owner needs help from time to time. 
It doesn't matter whether you're Sarah Blakely, Anita Roddick, Mark Zuckerberg, or Oprah, you're going to need to lean on colleagues and mentors for support. So if every business owner needs help from time to time, why is it so hard to ask? Sometimes you don't really know what to ask about because the problem or opportunity is so complex. Sometimes you don't have a positive or safe network of peers you can trust, and you fear finding one will cost you thousands of dollars. Sometimes you just don't know how to phrase your question or challenge without soliciting unhelpful advice or irrelevant responses. And sometimes you worry that asking for help makes you look less than capable as a business owner. At Co-Commercial, we have over a decade of experience observing business owners asking for help, receiving feedback, and making the most of it. We're facilitators, guides, and support instigators. The positive, safe, and constructive space we've built with our members gives us firsthand knowledge of what works and what doesn't when it comes to asking for help with your small business. We also place a huge value on helping people see how asking for help makes you look like a better small business owner. Not weak, not incapable, and not worth First of all, stupid. The co-commercial team and I want to help make it easier for you to ask for help. So we're sharing our best tips for phrasing your questions, getting curious, and opening up to feedback on where you're struggling most. Join us for a free 90-minute live workshop called How to Ask for Help Without Getting Overwhelmed, Going Broke, or Worrying What Others Think. Here's what we're going to cover. First, why a big part of the problem with getting good help and support is actually asking for advice on your business ideas or strategy in the first place. Second, how to push past the fear of looking stupid or less than capable so you can get in on the conversations that will move your business forward. How to tackle complex, unwieldy, or just plain gigantic business questions without spending hours trying to explain every last detail what to say or share, including easy to use scripts in order to get the most useful feedback and stay in charge of your course of action. And finally, where to go to find quality help without paying a fortune for online courses or mentoring. By the end of this free workshop, you'll have a plan for getting the help you need without getting overwhelmed, going broke, or worrying what others think. To register, go to cocommercial.co slash help that's cocommercial.co slash help. So can you walk us through what uh, the, the quote unquote average comfort circle dinner looks like? What's the agenda? How do, how do things unfold? Just give us a feel for what uh, being there is actually like. Yeah, sure. So again, each month has a different theme. And so this, this most recent dinner, which was this past Monday, was about negotiation. So each month has a different theme. And while, you know, it is casual, it is very structured. And when I say structured, I mean that I have question prompts, I have exercises, and they correspond with our three course meals. So We'll do one activity during the appetizers, another during the main course, and then another during desserts and as we're beginning to wrap up. And what I'm basically doing is in some way, shape, or form, walking people through an arc in terms of the conversation about whatever the theme is. So uh, this past week when we were talking about uh, negotiation, you know, I started off by really asking people, um, what is the vision that the thing you are negotiating fits into? And that's because I have this bias and this belief that says, whatever it is that you're negotiating, it's about something bigger. It's not just about the thing. 
And so what is that thing a, a part of? So I started off, I started off asking people to think about what that vision is and then think about, well, what's the goal of this particular negotiation? And then think about what is your style in terms of your being in general? Because how, whatever that is, that's how you show up in your negotiations. And do you, are you aware enough to know when you need to perhaps adapt your style, especially if you're not, not especially if, but because of, of, as I should say, whatever your goal is and what's driving your goal, that's going to be very different than the counterparty's goal and what's driving their goal. And you may need to adapt your style to, to just put yourself in a situation where you can, you know, have the, the like, the greater likelihood of the outcome that you want. And then we talked about skills and what we did is we used um, their current whatever it was that they were negotiating, we use that as the context for all of their answers. So mm. um, that's kind of, that gives you a kind of an idea of what goes on. So, and that happens for every single dinner. So I'm customizing the experience in terms of the conversation anyway, and the, and the prompts and the questions and the exercises. And I come with to every dinner with index cards and Sharpies and, <laughs> and we go at it. <laughs> I love it. Have you repeated any themes yet? No, not yet. Amazing. I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could start repeating. And then <laughs> also on the, the, like, the idea of repeating, do you have repeat attendees? Yes. Oh, my God. So here is what is so freaking awesome. I have one person that has been to nine dinners. Wow. Um, yeah, which is really, really amazing and just so, so beautiful. So I have people that have, um, that have attended several dinners. At each dinner, there's always at least one person that I am meeting for the very first time. Um, and or there is someone that I've known for a really long time, but we've never uh, interacted with them, you know, with each other on a more professional basis. So, you know, it's the person that you see out at a party or wherever, but you've never really, you know, they've never engaged your services. Mm -hmm. You've never engaged there. So you don't know how each other operates in that regard. So that's, what's always really cool about each dinner. And then this most recent dinner just really, really floored me and humbled me in just ways I could not have imagined because this person flew in Monday afternoon from Dallas, Texas, just to come to the dinner. And she had never been to New York City before. And the only reason I know that detail is because I got a panicky email um, about 30 minutes before the dinner that was like, it's telling us we're six hours away, but we flew into LaGuardia. I don't know where my dick is. Oh, yeah, LaGuardia is six hours away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, sweetheart, you're right here. You're, you're okay, but don't drive. <laughs> Take the train. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, though. And what a, what a uh, testament to what you're building here, that someone's willing to come that far for a dinner. Uh, you know, a lot of people have a hard time getting people to come from that far away for a weekend conference, let alone, a, a, you know, a dinner that's a couple hours long. Um, so I have questions about that, how people actually find out about it. Before, but real quick, before we get to that, what's the price tag that you've put on the Comfort Circle dinners? 
So now they are 150. They used to be the first, uh, the first two dinners were 75. Then they went up to 100. And a large, a, lar a large part of that was just because of what I was able to negotiate with the restaurant. Mm. But I will say that for the very first year, 2017, I subsidized some of the expenses. So clearly I wasn't losing as much money as I did with the conference thing, but um, the, the pricing wasn't such that it is, it, it, oh, it, the pricing wasn't such that it was self-sustaining. Now it is. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, so yeah. And I think we're, we'll come back to that too, because I want to hear more about how that actually then fits into your business model overall. Mm -hmm. um, but let's stick with the people for now. Uh, how are people finding out about the Comfort Circle dinners? What does your marketing look like behind it? How are, what's the sales process look like? So um, the other thing that I have been learning to do is when I first started with the Comfort Circle dinners, I was doing basically two, uh, I guess, content mark, two parallel content marketing strategies. One, you know, just for my regular email and blog, and then one for the dinners. And then that just became too darn exhausting. And so since about May or June of, of last year, um, the theme for the dinner becomes the focus for mm -hmm. the uh, content marketing for that month. And uh, so it's, you know, making sure to make an announcement about the upcoming dinner in each of those uh, emails and each of those posts. There's social media marketing. There's word of mouth. There is, you know, reaching out to the people that have attended in the past and asking them to, um, you know, let other people know about it. And then there's also the fact that I, I do a lot of, you know, speaking and I use every single platform as an opportunity to talk about the dinners. Mm. If, if, no, if for nothing else, just to plant the seed that we do this. So if you're ever in New, you know, and if I'm not in New York City, if you're ever in New York, this is something that we do. We'd love to welcome you to the table. Gotcha. Okay. So that definitely then begs the business model question because you are expending an enormous amount of marketing energy to sell something that is clearly not a profit center for your business. You're not mm -hmm. raking in millions of dollars, $150, uh, $150 mm -hmm. per ticket at a time for 12 people at a dinner. So what happened? How does the how did how does the dinner series fit into the rest of your business model? How are you seeing it translate into things that uh, you know sales that are more profitable for your business? So there are a couple of things. Um, one, as a result of the dinners, and as a result of you know having the price go from a hundred to one hundred and fifty, I have actually needed to revamp the business model on the coaching side. The speaking side stays the same. Mm -hmm. Nothing's changed on that end, but on the coaching side. And so when I first started doing the dinners, I used to offer a discovery call and that was $150. And it's like, well, a 30 minute discovery call, $150. And now you're charging $150 for a dinner. That makes no sense. So those are no longer offered. Gotcha. <laughs> So um, when it comes to uh, coaching, the, the very first way that someone can work with me is a financial jam session, and that's $750. So 
Um, in terms of how does the dinner fit into, to me, it is a lead generation um, vehicle because it's an opportunity for someone to get to know me, to get to know a little bit about my approach. And then I follow up and some of them have converted into coaching clients. So not every dinner leads to an immediate conversion or a, you know, a, a conversion to a, um, a four-figure coaching engagement, um, but that does happen. But here's one of the things that was my strategic priority for this year, and I'm happy to say that I was successful in selling it once, and um, I've got a meeting next week and, and hope to be able to report back and say I've sold it again. But one of my other strategic priorities for this year was to sell the dinners as an alternative uh, to a traditional financial workshop for corporations. Uh -huh. so I, do, I do workshops already for corporations, but there are some times when they don't want to do the same old thing. And so this is a way of um, doing something different. And so I sold this uh, to a law firm. And here's what was really cool. When I reached out to them, I was actually reaching out to them to see if they um, would send some of their employees. So they did, but they sent two of their employees to come and check it out before they actually engaged me to do a customized dinner for them. Ah. And they had 40 people at their dinner. And I got paid a speaker's fee, not, you know, I got paid my speaker's fee to do the dinner. So beautiful. For me, that's, you know, there's, I'm, I, I now think of it as, you know, there's the self-hosted version of the dinners, which is what we've been talking about the most. And then there is the firm-hosted dinners, um, which I'm hoping will begin to gain some traction. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, first off, congratulations on that one. Good luck on the second. But that Thank sounds you. like an amazing new offer. What a great way to really differentiate what you're offering and at the same time say, hey, not only is this completely different than what you're used to, I have this proven track record of, you know, bringing people together, changing the way they think on a topic, you know, all that. That's, a, that's such a great offer. <laughs> is and I'm so excited to hear you have the reaction because um, that has been their reaction too like there's not one person you know maybe they got to convince other people at the firm to do it but um, the there's not one person that I've talked to at a firm that hasn't said that's a damn good idea <laughs> <laughs> That is a great, uh, that's a great reaction to have. It's yeah. kind of going back to the discomfort and anxiety that we started with. That's a great way to, uh, to alleviate that for sure. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So I'm assuming that, okay, going after more of those kind of um, firm hosted dinners is one of your next steps for the dinner series. What else do you have on your plate in terms of thinking through the further, you know, further evolution of the series, thinking through maybe adding capacity? What are you thinking in terms of where you'd like to be by the end of 2018, early 2019 with the, the comfort dinner series? So I can't believe I am saying this out loud. <laughs> Um, but I actually started thinking about, huh, it might be cool to like do a comfort circle retreat, like, you know, like go to a Caribbean island, <laughs> have conversations in the morning, hang out in the afternoon. Um, 
So it, I, I haven't flushed that out at all. Um, but that is like, if I think of it as this could actually take on a full life of its own, um, that seems like a natural progression to take it out of a, you know, two and a half hour dinner to maybe a nice three day weekend, someplace really beautiful where you have the chance to um, have the conversations, but then also step away and just kind of ruminate on them. Not necessarily like, you know, sitting still ruminate, but just ruminate on them as you're doing other activities in a really cool place. I love that idea. That is awesome. <laughs> and I, uh, okay, this is going to be a totally random question, not in the order of which it came to me because it came to me quite early uh, in our conversation. But I'm curious, you know, you're not the only person selling dis dinner series out there. Maybe in maybe in the financial world you are, <laughs> but there are there are other dinner series out there that people sell tickets to. Did you look to anyone or any event series for inspiration as you were putting this together, or was this sort of like a, I'm going in my creative cave and I'm going to see what comes out when I'm done? is the latter as I'm okay. going into my creative cage. It was just like, well, let's try this because, um, so one piece that I kind of left out because I'm now just remembering it myself is I was thinking of doing uh, a workshop where, you know, you could charge a nominal amount and rent out the space. And I was just like, oh, I'm just tired of that. Mm. Like, you know, workshoppy kind of spacey experience. <laughs> So I actually didn't know about, uh, maybe that's because I was living in my own little cave, I didn't know that other people were doing dinner series. So I didn't look at somebody else to say, how are they doing it? What are they charging? How are they structuring it? I just was like, this is what I want to do. Let's see if it, and I think that level of detachment probably served me well. Let's just yeah. see. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what else are you working on right now? Is this 100% your focus or is there, do you have any other irons in the fire? Oh, I always have irons in the fire. <laughs> um, so let's see. I, you know, I'm always marketing and, and putting myself in situations where I can get more speaking gigs. I'm really excited that uh, for the from the last week of January until the first week of April, I had a speaking gig every single week. And so nice. that was awesome. Um, so there's that. I am toying around with possibly a web TV series. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've talked to a couple of folks that, you know, would, would produce it and, you know, figuring out who might want to be sponsors. Um, and, 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 and in a way, the idea stemmed from the dinners in terms of this is a really cool way to have conversations. Mm -hmm. And, I don't think um, I, I don't think the dinners would be as wonderful as they are if they were filmed. So that won't work. Mm -hmm. um, but I think another kind of conversation could do well um, in a video sort of format. I haven't figured out what yet, but I think that that could potentially be another another next step. Awesome. I'm so excited for you. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled for you how this has evolved and all the success that you found with it, because I, I, obviously people need this kind of thing, right? They need these safe spaces to have uncomfortable conversations. And I'm just so glad that you're one of the people providing that. Uh, so where can we learn more about signing up for a comfort circle dinner? 
Yeah, if you go to my site, which is jacquettetimmons.com and then click on events, uh, there's comfort circle right there. There's also the comfort circle image right on the sidebar at the very top. <laughs> you click on that and that will take you to the page that will give you a little bit more um, of an overview around the concept. And then if you scroll down to the bottom, you can register um, for the very next dinner. Um, and so that's, that's how people can find out about it. And I'm really active on Instagram and uh, Twitter and even Facebook. And so if you just type my name in any of those search bars on, on in any of those, you'll, you can follow me and you can learn more about uh, the dinners and, and how to attend one if you're in New York City. Fabulous. Well, we will put all those links in the show notes and make sure everyone knows how to find out more about you and more about the Comfort Circle Dinners. Jaquette Timmons, thank you so much for shining a light on what you've been up to with this dinner series and how it's really transforming your business and how it works for you. Thank you so very much. It was a delight. I appreciate it. Learn more about Jaquette Timmons and the Comfort Circle Dinner Series at jaquettetimmons.com. What Works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. Okay, so what exactly is Co-Commercial? Co-Commercial is a social network, event producer, and support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We know you want to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. Step one, join co-commercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. Step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We help you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff, just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.